Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Guys, as always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carlborn Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, what up, what up? I'm going to double down on this really quickly for the listeners, because y'all continue to say I say too much at the beginning of the episode, so I'm just going to say hello. How y'all doing? Hope you guys are safe. That's it. All right, Paul, thank you so much for that. So we have another special guest and I'm, let me just say, I'm very, I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time now. So this, this is going to be a treat. I'm excited. We have an amazing guest on here for you guys today. So without further ado, I am going to go ahead and introduce Dr. Yes, Dr. (laughs) Annie Grother. Doc, talk to us. How are you feeling? Hi, guys. Um, I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm just excited to get to talk to you guys and kind of share my experiences with entrepreneurship and just going through medical school, anything that we end up talking about. Awesome. Awesome. So we like to be respectful of your time. Let's dive right into it. So why med school? What made you go down that path? Yeah, that's a long answer because I am a non-traditional student. I didn't go into undergrad knowing I wanted to be a physician. I ended up having to go afterwards to do what they call postdoc. And I got some real world experience that really showed me that medicine was the thing for me. So I graduated with a degree in psychology and was really interested in research. I ended up doing public health research for about two years, working with HIV patients, with cervical cancer, doing global health research. And in the end, like all of it was very fulfilling, but I felt so disconnected from the people that I felt like I wanted to be helping. And I saw my counterparts who a lot of them were clinicians who also did research and they were talking to the patients. They got to see them day to day, really advocate for them and kind of develop those relationships, which is a little bit discouraged in research, to be honest. And so I wanted to have that closer relationship with my patients and really serve as an advocate, someone who could be there for questions, have a little bit more um, of a skill set to offer as far as helping people improve their health. So that's why I chose medical school. It's kind of the perfect combination of all of those things really getting to work with your patients, educate them, empower them. Honestly, that's the thing that I enjoy the most is kind of giving people all the information and tools that they need to be the best versions of themselves. And a lot of those factors, even outside of medicine, come into play as you're working with your patients as a physician. So, 
That was a heck of an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) Welcome to Dr. Her podcast. Um, We're just, we're just living in our world now. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. So I want to start off by asking you a little bit more about that non-traditional route, right? Because, you know, I think a few people, I don't like to assume that everybody knows what like the post-bac route is like. So kind of explain that to us and like what that required of you before getting into med school. Yeah. So normally, for anyone who doesn't know, you go to undergrad, you take a certain set of classes that are called the pre-med classes, and you don't have to necessarily be a pre-health major. You could do philosophy as long as you take these certain classes and get really good grades. You're eligible to go on to medical school, which is four years of training, followed by residency, which is a varied amount of years. So for me, I went through undergrad. I didn't take any of those classes. I had no idea that I wanted to be a physician. I studied psychology and did my thing. I had a great time in college. Did well, but had a great time. So for me, the biggest barrier to getting into medical school when I did decide that I wanted to go that route was having those pre-med classes. There's a lot of different programs that are called post-bac. The particular postdoc that I did was just all those classes in one year. So I took OCHEM, OCHEM 2, Bio 1, Bio 2, Physics 1, Physics 2, what else did I have to do? Like genetics. So I basically took like a full year straight all science classes and then ended up applying for medical school afterwards. Some people do like a different route where they feel that their GPA with their pre-med classes wasn't good enough, so they'll go and do a post-bac, but that's more likely a master's where they just try to take more classes in order to increase their GPA. So those are kind of the two non-traditional routes. I ended up taking four years between undergrad and med school, which I highly encourage. I tell all of my mentees that they should take time off because I learned so much about what I wanted to do in medical school, the type of impact that I wanted to have, It wasn't like I was just going to med school to kind of like check the boxes. I really had a lot more purpose behind me wanting to go. So anyone who's considering taking time off or considering going to medical school, I think it's really valuable to have that life experience. Hopefully that answers your question. So you you said a very important word that I want to touch on a little bit more. And that word was impact. As healthcare providers, one thing that we always strive to have is that impact. And that could be just on the level of helping our patients, you know, return to to normal function. But I think that your impact extends a little bit, well, a lot further than that. And I want to, I want to kind of discuss that because I think for the listeners we have that are entrepreneurs who may also be in school I think one of the things that they struggle with the most is being able to understand what it takes to balance, like understand how can I still do well in school, but still devote time to my business. And how can I have that balance so that even though my time has to be split, I'm not taking away from either one of them. So for you and everything that you've been able to do, which we'll talk a little bit more uh, about after this, but how are you able to find your balance and what are the things that you felt kept you grounded the most as you were navigating the journey of 
med school as well as wearing the hat of entrepreneur? Yeah, and I think this is a really important question because it ties into like how do you keep going? Because it's never going to be easy. Like no matter if you're going down the healthcare route, all levels of training are hard. You have so many responsibilities to your training, your education, but a lot of times for me, that wasn't what motivated me. Like I wasn't motivated by grades anymore. Like undergrad, I cared in med school. I did not care at all about my grades. Not to say that I didn't care about learning the content, but that didn't motivate me at all. I think that it was super important for me to really connect with my purpose. And for me, that's focused on minority health and disparities in healthcare. I was lucky enough that my program in medical school was combined with an MPH. So I got to learn a lot about health disparities and any project that I had in school that I had to do, I, I related it back to that larger purpose, that mission that I kind of have. And that's what really kept me going in the times where I don't want to study, in the times where I'm not motivated, just knowing that I am connected with that and knowing that I am working towards that was really, really powerful for me for motivation. As far as being able to do it, do both, working on my medical degree as well as working on my entrepreneurial efforts, I really like, I joined them. I made them as similar to each other as possible so that when I was working on one, it was kind of helping the other. When I was working on other, it was really helping the first. So I had to do a capstone project for my degree and my capstone project ended up being what I was doing for my entrepreneurial stuff. So for me, I tried to connect them as much as possible because I knew that I had such little time and that helped me with the motivation aspect too because I knew that they were so close to each other and I could kind of see that even in the hardest times. So that really helped with my time management, my motivation and being able to kind of multitask and then use resources from one to help with the other. So, wow. <laughs> so that, that really worked out for you because being able to come, I, I don't think I've, I've ever heard of that before from all the stories of entrepreneurs in healthcare, you know, that, that we've had the pleasure of, of hearing. I don't think I've ever heard that dimension of things before to be able to combine the two. I think that's so dope, you know, like that's such an, uh, an amazing thing to be able to do. And I have to ask you, so you're in, you're in school and I want you to walk the listeners through what was it like once you finally decided to start the shop docs? Like, how did that, how did that come about? What was like the process with getting that started? Just walk us through that. All right, so I'm just going to give a little intro to the shop doc for anyone who doesn't know what it is already. We're a nonprofit organization and we go into barbershops to give preventative health screenings and health education. We're really focused on minority men at the moment and then trying to expand to salons as well to target minority women and just addressing the fact that there's such health disparity in pretty much every disease you could ever bring up as it relates to minorities. And there's a little bit of a disconnect in, in what I've seen with trust in the healthcare system. So our goals are to educate as well as improve these relationships between healthcare and the minority community. So <laughs> that being said, this was an idea that is it's just it's not a new concept going into the barbershop. It's similar to going to churches and utilizing these 
pre-existing organizations that are really staples in the community that we're trying to help and partnering with them. So that's kind of another theme in, in my message, like as much as you can utilize pre-existing systems, connect things that you are already doing to things that you want to be doing, especially for me when I had such little time, I knew that I had to be as efficient as possible. So we ended up partnering with some local barbershops in Miami. This was something I knew I wanted to do before starting med school. So I kind of came in with guns a blazing. I asked as many people as I could who did public health work, who worked in the community, what they would suggest asked a bunch of people who were local who they went to for their barber and kind of just went to the streets and we really just started it. Like I, I didn't know how much it would grow or what, what the end result would be, but I knew that I really wanted to be affecting minority health in my community. That's something that I had been really excited about doing in Colorado where I grew up. And when I moved, I didn't want it to be any different. So I kind of started something on my own because it didn't already exist before. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Luckily, I was able to turn that into a capstone project for my master's in public health, which is something I also got at the same time as getting my MD. (laughs) So again, (laughs) combining all the things together as much as you can. So I ended up starting the program, writing the toolkit for it. We just ran every month sessions in the barbershop and we ended up kind of marketing it pretty well and honestly a lot of people started approaching me because it's kind of it's like a fun idea it's enjoyable it has a really cool impact and it's really easy to get started so a lot of people started approaching me about wanting to do it in different cities states and who am I to say no like I will 100% support anyone who wants to impact minority health like we want to have the biggest impact we possibly can so it kind of just grew on its own which is I was very fortunate in that in that respect, but I think it was just because like the mission was so clear and people could really easily connect with it. And we ended up growing. Now we're in six different states <laughs> and people approach me all the time about how to get more involved. So uh, I've been very blessed in that since that it just started off as an idea that we just, we just started doing it and then it kind of took off from there. First of all, wow, you've done a lot. And I just need to kind of like point that out. So when it came to... Co- because as I'm listening to this and I'm and I'm listening to like the the impact that you wanted to leave on the world, right? Something is becoming very prevalent to me. And I guess it's only appropriate for me to ask, while you're going through this process, what would you say were your concrete principles that you had to establish to even like bring this, you know, project and degree into like reality? So as far as like pursuing the degree or the creating particularly turning the capstone into like the shop docs and growing that what principles Mm -hmm. have you had to basically live by to make sure it's as successful Mm -hmm. as it's been yeah so I think that there's a couple things that have helped the level of success and just being able to push through and I think that's the same principles I mean I'm sorry like dedicated I guess in the sense that you have to work on your passions like every single day. So I'd always do something small for each project that I was working on. Either I had a day dedicated to it or I had, you know, a couple hours every day working on each project that I was involved in. Because you can't, I don't think you can do it all at once. I think you kind of have to like juggle things. 
but you have to be regularly engaged in everything that you're doing otherwise it kind of like falls to the wayside so i guess like being regularly engaged in all the projects that i was working on i would say like staying connected with the fact that i was working on improving minority health that was my mission like that's something that fulfills me so i guess continually reminding myself even when i was like in the library in the back studying which doesn't really seem like I'm working towards that specific goal, just reminding myself that this is all for the bigger picture and reconnecting with that bigger purpose to keep the motivation going. I would say those are the the two things that really helped me along the way. So staying staying connected with your mission and then just regularly investing in the things that you're you're working towards. My follow-up question to that kind of deals with earlier you said, you know, especially in the community you're trying to serve. The barbershop is honestly as important to me as, as church, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> key. I've been struggling, yeah. you know. Then, <laughs> right? um, I talk to all my friends. That's the thing they miss the most about the outside, the barber. I miss my barber. <laughs> you know, just even when, <laughs> oh my goodness, soon. Okay. So when it came to choosing this and establishing, okay, this is where we're going to do it. What were your motivations behind that? What was the reasoning behind that? Because as people are listening, like the picture is being like painted, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you wanted to serve the minority population and you said, let me go do where minority men are, right? The the shop. What was that process like even just kind of building it out to make sure that people can see the vision that you have and Mm -hmm. then people can be able to like Mm -hmm. act on it and say, you know, come on into our shop. Yeah. So I guess I want to emphasize like the importance of the barbershop as the site that we're doing all this work in. Like you're saying, your barber is super important to you. I'm pretty sure that if I gave someone medical advice and then their barber gave them the same medical advice, they would listen to the barber over me <laughs> despite my qualifications, right? It's so it's true. That was something that became super apparent. Like if you're working with on a project, like you don't have to reinvent the wheel necessarily. Like we capitalize on the fact that these people already had a trusting relationship with the with the group we wanted to work with. And we wanted to have a trusting relationship with that group. Um, So we just partnered with with those people. So I think I would just want to emphasize the importance of finding the right partners and that you don't have to necessarily emphasize reinvent the wheel. And then I guess like putting it in the most simple terms really helps people to connect with that mission. Like everyone, it's so easy for you to understand like why we go to the barbershop because you're a minority male who goes to the barbershop. So the fact that, the population that we're targeting already understands like why we're coming to the barbershop in the first place makes it so easy for people to kind of connect with our mission. And so I think just like making it as simple as possible helps with people being able to assess the reason why, the motivation behind things and kind of see it a starting place everyone can understand. And then you can go talk to donors and say, oh, here are the stats. Like these are the numbers that we're trying to address. You can go to the man who goes to the barber shop and say like, hey, haven't you seen like your brothers, cousins, whatever, having heart attacks, strokes, whatever, we're coming here to try to serve you guys. Like it's just a starting point that everyone can really understand. And then you can target the message to whoever you're having a conversation with. The barbers understand they're super invested in the health of their community because these are their clients. These are their friends, to be honest. And so having that like central clear message like we come to the barbershop to serve minority men makes it easy to have like a clear conversation with whoever the target audience is 
first let me say what you're doing is it's phenomenal. I know you've probably heard that a million times, but it, it really is phenomenal because these are things that in the African-American community, like we need. And when it comes to things like blood pressure, we don't take that as serious as we should. And so I think just being able to be so innovative to bring together the barbershop aspect of it and still providing, you know, health and bringing healthcare in there to combine for services like that's that's so amazing and i have to ask <laughs> how was it when you found out that you were a forbes 30 under 30 nominee what was that like that was pretty cool <laughs> not gonna lie it was a little bit unexpected i guess it goes to the sense of like imposter syndrome that a lot of people and I want to say like a lot of people in healthcare especially a lot of minorities who are in like professional settings I like talk to my friends about this all the time but like I didn't realize that this was like such a big thing like for me it was just something that I felt really connected to it and I thought it was super important and it, it was really powerful to have Forbes recognize the importance of what we're doing as well and that was really validating in the sense that like these sorts of efforts don't go unnoticed and if you continue to work hard and and promote important messages and promote important problems in the world bring spotlights to them someone's going to notice and maybe it's going to be the right person and that your small efforts really do make a difference so i think just having getting that recognition really brought all of those points home for me and just validated all of the hard work that went into this project and validated the mission because it is super important. Minority health is super important and it's neglected a lot of times. I know we spoke a little bit earlier about the mission of your podcast is the fact that like we're underrepresented in so many ways. Health should not be one of those. Like health is a basic right this is something that everyone should have equal access to everyone should have equal education and um so it was really powerful that Forbes was able to recognize that in our mission and really kind of i guess honor us <laughs> with, with all of our efforts so but yeah very very exciting <laughs> so with that i know you mentioned uh, you mentioned it slightly that bout of having to kind of battle imposter syndrome that's very real not just as an entrepreneur but even in school you can have your bouts of trying to get over do I deserve to be here can I really do this like you know when you have like that internal dialogue with yourself so for you first being in med school and then being recognized by Forbes you know which when people hear Forbes it's like mind-blowing you know like that that's a very prestigious honor to have how are you able to kind of tune out the noise of oh I'm Forbes I'm a Forbes 30 under 30 nominee like I'm here I made it how are you able to kind of tune that out and keep your foot on the gas while at the same time being able to push through the imposter syndrome that you had like is this a mistake do they really mean to pick me? You know, like, how are you able to battle through the two of those? Because I think it's, 
I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand once you do get to a certain level of success, it's very easy for you to take your foot off of the gas. But it's also very easy at the same time for you to second guess and think maybe this is a big mistake and I'm not supposed to be here. So how are you able to kind of conquer those two entities? Yeah, that's a good question. I think both of them have like a similar answer and that's that I always try to put myself in new situations. So as far as the imposter syndrome, we'll talk about that first. I don't think it ever necessarily goes away. (laughs) For example, in medical school, I put myself in that situation and I can't stop. So at the beginning, I definitely was like, oh, am I the dumbest person in my class? Like these people are geniuses. I don't like measure up these people. But going through and pushing through, like I'm in this new situation, I started to realize that maybe I'm not like a super genius because a lot of my classmates are super geniuses, let me just tell you. But I have so many other skills that make me extremely valuable that they can't do. They cannot copy what I have because it's very unique and different and valuable just in a different way. So I guess it's putting yourself in those new situations, kind of coming to some sort of equilibrium because that eventually happens no matter what, if you keep pushing. And then being able to have that sort of inner dialogue of like your skills may not be the exact same as these people you're comparing yourself to, but they're just as valuable and maybe even more so for what you're doing for what you want to accomplish. So I think having that inner dialogue and, and avoiding comparison as much as possible, because to be honest, there's always going to be someone smarter or better or richer or more successful. And so just really relishing your specific wins, your specific skill set. Um, really is helpful for that imposter syndrome. Hard to do. Sometimes it helps if you have like one friend who just gasses you up. Like I have one friend who I'm feeling bad. (laughs) I just hit her up. I'm like, hey, so (laughs) tell me nice things about myself. (laughs) (laughs) It helps. Or you do that for yourself. Like write lists about things you like about yourself to really kind of gas yourself up and realize that you have all these amazing things it's just easy to overlook them in yourself and easy to glorify them in someone else Um, as far as keeping on going after reaching some sort of pinnacle that's the same answer like put yourself in these new situations so I mean after I'm not gonna lie like after the form thing came out I was like I was very taken aback I was very surprised and then I definitely thought like where do I go from here but I think once you reach that sort of plateau you have this time and it's okay to reflect. Like it's okay to take a little like step back and reassess things and set those new goals because there's always something else to achieve. A lot of times your motivations for things change. I've noticed that throughout my four years in school and you do have to reevaluate every once in a while, take a step back and look at the bigger picture because especially if you are working and in school, you're super busy and grinding it out. Sometimes you get so focused on those like day-to-day tasks and those day-to-day goals that you lose the bigger picture. And so I really do think that taking that step back is really, really helpful. So even when you have those big wins, like that should be the moment where you're like, wow, I, I literally smashed my goal out of the park. Like I killed it. There's nothing that I can't do. I set my mind to this and I did it. So what's the next thing that I'm going to accomplish? 
And so really taking those opportunities of success to reevaluate what you want to accomplish next, because there's always something else that you can do. You know, when you mentioned that you have the one friend that, you know, you call up to gas you up. I think this is something that as entrepreneurs, we definitely need to like address it a little bit here because for most people, obviously, like when it comes to, and I'm just going to steal a phrase here, creating your superstar team, right? In the presence of getting recognition, process of doing med school and the process of being an entrepreneur and all these things start to happen. How would you suggest an aspiring person, you know, listening to this episode, coming up after you, maybe they watch your stuff continually, um, you being a role model, how do you kind of teach a little bit on how to create that core circle to keep you rooted and grounded? Because I was trying to imagine while you were talking about it, like, if I got one of those four awards, I think my life would be a wreck. Because yeah. you can talk to me, <laughs> you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> so that's it. How do you keep yourself rooted and how do you create that circle to keep yourself in that core so you just keep on climbing and growing? Yeah, I think it it's not as hard as you would think because as you reach new levels, so like I'll use med school as an example, right? I am now in a cohort of people who are amazing achievers. So I'm surrounded by these people who are constantly pushing themselves, innovating, creating. So I, I look around and I can't stop. Like if I were to have a group of friends or colleagues who weren't really doing anything, I think it would be easy to just say like, oh, I, I'm like Richard and I have accomplished all this stuff. But all of my friends, all of my colleagues are people who are doing amazing things. And those are the relationships that I really try to cultivate and that I really value because they're motivating. I talk to one of my friends and they're like, oh, I just started my own educational curriculum for girls who have curly hair. I'm drinking out of the mug. So that's the example that I use. <laughs> Shout out to Curls on the Block. She's awesome. But I hear the stuff that they're working on and how hard they're grinding and that's motivating. So I guess when you refer to creating like the superstar team, it's really about surrounding yourself with people who you see doing amazing things, who you are impressed by, who you want to support. And those are the same people who are looking at you that same way. So it ends up being like a really positive collaborative environment. We, I mean, I can bounce ideas off a lot of my friends because they're doing similar stuff. If you don't have friends like that, honestly, networking events are really helpful. If you're in school, talk to as many people as possible. Honestly, I'm like, I'm like a little bit of an introvert, but if I am around new people, I love to ask them, pick their brain, like talk to as many new people as possible. Just saying hi to random strangers can really be a great way to meet new people. And you might find out that this person sitting next to you on the plane is doing some really cool stuff. You keep in contact. So I guess if you're talking about people who don't necessarily have that in their immediate circle, it's just reaching out. Don't be afraid to say hi to someone. No one's going to hopefully be mean to you. <laughs> you might meet someone who's doing something very similar to what you're interested in doing and, and you'll be able to build those relationships. So I guess it's like not being afraid to say hello and ask people questions because both of those will open doors. Let me ask you a follow-up question with that. So I know, like, for example, when Carl reached out to you to come do this episode, I assume, I make the assumption that somebody of your status must get tons of constant messages over and over so if somebody was trying to network 
or reach out to somebody to make that connection, how would you suggest that they do that? What to you, like if somebody's right, listening and says, all right, let me, you know, hit up Dr. Annie, yeah. how would, what would be the most positive and yeah. successful way that they could reach out to you where you're most likely to say, okay, this person actually deserves a response? Yeah, the, <laughs> this is one of my pet peeves. Do not just ask like the most general questions you've ever asked. Like if someone comes to me and is like, I want to be an entrepreneur. How do I be an entrepreneur? That is, <laughs> first of all, there's no way I can answer that question. Second of all, I feel like you didn't even try. Like you don't have the motivation of, in yourself to, to be like, oh, hey, like I'm really curious about how I can build my network. I've been trying this, this, and this, and I've seen that you've been successful doing this. Like, could I ask you about that or could I pick your brain about it? So I think it's really about approaching someone with purpose. If your purpose is just to hear about the field of medicine, then make sure that purpose is super clear when you're, when you're talking to the person in your ask. And I think if you can kind of, you know, stroke the ego, it never hurts. <laughs> So like, oh, I heard that you are Forbes 30 under 30. What an amazing accomplishment. I saw you're in medical school. I'm really I'm aspiring to get into medical school and heard that UN is really focused on public health. Like I would love to hear if you have any experience with that. What did you have to do to make the most of that experience? So that breaks it down, right? Like you know about the person. They're not just like randomly sending DMs being like, give me the answer to like a very vague question that I haven't even thought about putting the effort into. And it shows that you're motivated. Like you've already done your own pre-research. It's not something you could find on Google. If you can Google it and you ask me, I'm going to be annoyed. Like I will really, I really will not. I will tell people to just Google it. And um, <laughs> maybe that's rude, but I think especially in a medical field or as an entrepreneur, like you have to be resourceful. And if you haven't even shown that you can be like the slightest bit resourceful, there's no real point for me talking to you because there's no, I don't think that it's going to be that valuable to you because you couldn't even take that first step. If that makes sense. I agree. I, 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 <laughs> I, I 100% agree. And I don't think it's rude. I think it's, being realistic because a common theme that me and Paul have kind of discussed amongst each other is that what we notice is a lot of entrepreneurs come into the world of entrepreneurship and think like it's all rainbows and sunshine. And it's like, no, you have to grind. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to put in the work. It's not rude because we have to be real. We have to you know, address that because that's something that if we don't, people will just think like it's okay. And part of this podcast, besides teaching, is about empowering them to know like you can do it too. You can build your own path. You know, you can be a trailblazer, but you have to put in the work. I think that that was super important that you brought that up and that you addressed that because a lot of people needed to hear it. Maybe some people may, maybe they won't take it the right way. But for me, that just means the message wasn't meant for them. They have more to learn, which is, which is okay. So it's a roller coaster of a journey, but you have to go through your fair shares of bumps and bruises in order for you to really, quote unquote, earn your stripes. With that being said, I kind of want to, I want to talk about this notion of your inner circle some more, because there can be a disconnect where once you reach a certain level of success, 
there may be toxic people that used to be in your environment or used to be a part of your circle that you might have to disassociate yourself with. And I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in healthcare, they have difficulty with being able to figure out how can I break off these relationships? How can I free myself without looking like the bad guy, you know? And that's something I kind of, I kind of want to ask you, like how, once you started seeing yourself kind of go up the ranks in, in terms of your goals and being able to hit different milestones, how are you able to disassociate yourself with people that you saw were no longer going to serve you or help you? I hope that doesn't sound bad, <laughs> but just because I feel like it's important to know everyone can't go with you. And as you continue to level up, the people that were with you before may not be the same people that are with you as you're going. So just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, to be honest, I have a very small circle and the friends that I keep close, I'll always be friends with. <laughs> but I'm lucky that those are people who are, they're good people. They initially were pretty motivated. They're all very smart. They're all very supportive and positive. I definitely have had a couple of friends who I felt have like come for me, if that makes sense. But I think that, to be honest, a lot of times it was coming from a good place. Like, I, I don't think that I've had to face that dilemma too much as far as my old friends having to cut any of them off. I think that going forward and, and the relationships that I do build going forward, I am pretty cognizant of my, my purpose at the moment. And... I really try, like with every situation, if someone asks me to do something, if someone, if, like, if a relationship is being formed, I really do try to be as cognizant as possible about whether this matches with what I'm trying to accomplish right now. And so that's where having a really good image of where you're trying to go and what you're trying to accomplish, like one year down the road, two years down the road, and like really having a really strong understanding of that, I think it makes it easy to just like, naturally pass up opportunities that don't serve you cut off relationships that don't serve you so I think just like being really connected with your mission makes it easy to see but I, I really would feel for someone if they felt like they had to cut off like a dear friend because they weren't if they weren't like serving them if they were actually being detrimental to them and their goals I, I really would feel for that person to be honest Hopefully, hopefully not too many people are facing that. But I guess it's, I would say, like, spending time on the things that really match with your goals. I, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to, like, cut people out completely, but your time is valuable. Like, you should be investing more time in those relationships that are maybe one way and less in the others. And I don't know if you necessarily have to neglect them entirely, because I think, you know, you've been friends, and that matters. Like, to me, loyalty is super important, and I have friends who... Maybe we don't have as much in common anymore, but we still keep in touch. And like, if they needed something from me, I would be there for them. But I've never really had that issue where people are trying to take advantage or actually bringing me down. I'm very fortunate in that sense. 
Let me ask you a practicality question, because I definitely know, if not before, at this point in the podcast, whoever's listening has to be asking. If you're not, start asking this question. So somebody that's a high performer, mental school, I mean, that alone is has to be intense. I don't know. I've never been. But how then do you go about setting your daily tasks? By that, I mean, like, how do you balance out your life so that you're not pulling out, you know, curl by curl on a daily basis? I think this evolves a lot and I have to, I actually have to really focus on this because I'm not like, I'm more of a free spirit. And so med school has kind of been hard for me because it's very regimented and like very monotonous a lot of times. I have to be really, really focused on my schedule. (laughs) So every night I look at my calendar and I actually, I think I have my calendar. So I have like hour by hour (laughs) what I have to do for the next day. So I plan it out. It's really important to me to be able to like estimate how long something is going to take because that's like my biggest thing. Like I think I'm superhuman and I'm just right a grant in like four hours. You know, I really <laughs> try to sit down, estimate realistically how long something's going to take me because then I can like really know that tomorrow I have to buckle down. Like I have so much that I have to get done. I can't really be dawdling. Like I can't really be having all these personal conversations. But certain days, it's okay to do that. So every night, I plan out my schedule for the next day. Sometimes it's really hard, especially in here in medicine, because so much is moving. So I just try to make sure I also have times that are dedicated to specific types of work. So for me, all of my shop doc stuff happens like between six and nine. That's when I have all my meetings, calls, try to sit down and organize stuff, because I know that's usually a time that will not be interrupted by anything else the other times of the day who knows what's going to happen so that makes it a little bit difficult and you have to be a little bit flexible but just kind of knowing those times when you would have to dedicate to things helpful and then I also try to just like set a time during the week where I just do whatever I want because that for me is super important like I like to have a sense of freedom (laughs) and try to keep that like free spirit alive And sometimes that just means I lay on my couch and don't do anything. But sometimes that means I go and I'm like skating. I'm like, oh, let's go paddleboarding. Allows for some spontaneity. And I can plan kind of like my social life a little bit. and Know like, hey, I'm going to be free Sunday morning. Let's do something. Like I optimize that time, make sure that I spend it with friends, family, whoever. Sunday morning, Saturday morning, those are the times. And if anyone asks me to do anything any other time, I really have to consider it. I might not get others done always try to reschedule for a Saturday morning <laughs> if possible because um, that's my dedicated time for me to do like my fun stuff that's kind of how I manage my schedule but I have to be like super strict about it otherwise I just get very distracted <laughs> that's <laughs> it's funny to me because I have I can't tell you the amount of times like I've had to text a friend like you know I gotta call you back or like I can't talk today you know and like part of me feels bad but then the other part of me is like you have to understand like I have a lot going on you know and I'm stretched so many different ways that it's like nowadays like you said earlier like our time is valuable you know so there's points where I may tell a friend like I can't talk today you know but let's talk on like you said Saturday weekends are always a good time for me let's talk on Saturday or let's talk on Sunday, you know, let's talk at two or whatever the case may be. The one thing that I've realized is that successful people are very structured and 
Paul, I'll give Paul credit because <laughs> I was not one to really keep a, a planner, put stuff like hour by hour until Paul challenged me to do so, you know, at, at some point during our friendship. It has made a lot of difference because I don't feel like I'm scrambling all the time you know when I have classmates that will ask me like how are you how are you doing all this stuff how are you in school and have a podcast and you have all this other stuff that you're doing and I'm just like because I have structure you know like I have a schedule and and I stick to it and and that helps out a lot that is very critical to address as well so people don't just think they can be out here living life on the edge like as an entrepreneur like no you need to have some type of structure you have a specific planner you use so I actually use my my iCal. I, I had a physical, I had a physical, but I don't yeah. know. My iCal just worked so much better like this last term. Yeah, I'm like we, so old school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like generational difference. But you know what? It's crazy because when it comes to like studying in, in school, like I'm kind of like that where sometimes I have to be like, all right, I'm about to put this iPad down. I need pen and paper to take notes. And it's crazy. We just had a doctor, a chiropractor on a couple of weeks ago, and he just came out with this planner. It's amazing. Um, we'll talk more about that later. But, you know, it, that's another notion as to why it's so important to have structure. So another question I have for you, like in, in terms of shop docs, uh, what, what's going on right now? Like, what do you have in the works? You know, what are you willing to tell us or share to the listeners? What's going on? Because of COVID a lot of stuff is put on hold. So we have basically our structure is that we go every, like once a month, usually a Saturday, to the barbershop so that we can do screenings, so that we can kind of have an established continued relationship, but also catch new people. So that's our model currently. We are expanding. So we have a couple of new locations in the works. Actually, one of our locations was supposed to open and we just delayed that opening because of COVID. So we, we do have a couple new locations and it's been great that people have had a little bit of time to kind of sit down and say, hey, I want to do something with my community. And a lot of people have reached out during the time. So we're in talks about the opening new shops. My goals for this year are to really focus on fundraising. We actually just launched a shirt that says Black Health Matters. Uh, we're using that as a fundraiser and then working on a lot of brands, talking to some corporate sponsors as well. So fundraising is a huge goal for us this year. And we're also trying to have more community events. So more one-off events that can be hosted by barbers if they're not interested in having like a longer term commitment with us. They can host, talk about mental health, talk about sexual health, just general information for people to kind of connect and connect in the barbershop and learn about health and have those sorts of conversations about health be introduced in the barbershop, which is a setting where they're not traditionally um, discussed. So that's another one of the things we're working on. And then this is kind of more of a long-term goal, but thinking of how we can have the biggest impact on minority health, I think a lot of it stems from having physicians that look like you. And that's a huge problem. There's a huge disparity in the number of Black physicians. And so my end goal, I would love to have an intern or like a, I guess it would be type of a fellowship type of thing where we offer paid internships for high school students who are interested potentially in going into healthcare. It would be a really good opportunity for them to get some clinical exposure 
they get that volunteer experience that would look amazing on their resume. And I know for me, I probably wouldn't have gone into medicine if I didn't have these grants. I like worked in labs and did research because they paid the best. Like that, was, I was trying to make that money. And it's a huge barrier for a lot of people. Like they need to work, they need to make money. So I would love to kind of facilitate that sort of opportunity for minorities. So that's something that I'm in talks with um, and it's kind of a nation idea, but I mean, I want to make sure. It's really awesome. I think like, and on this side of the person that watches the students trying to get into med school, you know, both of my siblings did pre-med. They're currently in the process of like doing the MCAT, you know, getting to school and everything like that. So I just know how valuable that would be to somebody who is looking to like basically step up their game. My final question to you, and I've been kind of debating how to word this. So I'll say it this way, because I know there are plenty of people that probably wish they could ask you a question. So on behalf of them, I'll just ask something that's on my heart. If if you had to redo it, all of it over again, what would be like the pit stops where you'd say, okay, I would have done this differently. This would have sped up the process for me or everything was perfect. That it wasn't, you just like redo it from top to bottom. Um, how would you just restructure your journey? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, if I had known earlier I wanted to go to medical school, I could have skipped the post back in like $20,000 in debt. <laughs> so that would have been ideal. But I also don't think I would have had all the other experiences where I got to travel the world, where I got to do research, where I learned a lot of important skills and had those like experiences. So I I mean, I don't know if I would say that I would take it back, but I definitely would try to not take on that debt. That would be something. <laughs> I also think, and this is something I debate about a lot because I don't know how important prestige necessarily is to me, but I think I would have applied to more competitive like Ivy League schools and potentially prioritized that more because somehow it matters to other people. And why not open as many doors for yourself as possible? But I, I just want to say that I think a lot of the opportunities that I got to take advantage of were because I was at institutions that didn't necessarily have all of those resources set up. They didn't have necessarily the prestige, but they had those professors and mentors who are going to take the time to invest in you. And so I really... I'm torn about that one because I think a lot of my success came from working with those people and having people who I felt like really cared about my career and the trajectory that I was taking. And a lot of those settings were places where I could innovate, like where I could create something new that didn't already exist. I wasn't going to be stepping on anyone's toes. People were encouraging it as opposed to like someone being like, oh no, that's for us. Like we, we do that. We do this. And having much more strict regulation. I don't know. I think, I guess I would stay the course. I would, I would do what I did minus the debt. <laughs> I would try to change. So this has been such a pleasure. Like it's been, it's just been great being able to just pick your brain and discuss about something that you're doing that is just so phenomenal. And, and really, I can't wait to see, you know, where, where you take things and how things continue to grow. I think that you are a prime example of what it looks like when you just trust the process and you not only trust the process, but you think about how you can be resourceful. 
from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of Paul's heart, we thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to listen to this episode again once it's edited, because I just feel like you hit so many important points that, that needed to be discussed. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. Before we let you go, just for anyone you know who's listening to this and, and they want to connect with you, what social media handles or anything like that are you willing to give to them? Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on. I really am passionate about mentoring, especially people who are interested in going into medical school. There's a lot of questions. I have a blog where I'm trying to post more information about that process and about entrepreneurship and time management. So that's ohsoboss, O-O-H-S-O-B-O-S-S.com. And then my social media handle is ohsonatural. That's O-O-H-S-O-N-A-T-U-R-A-L. Reaching out on either of those is great. LinkedIn, I'm on. I'm not as active on LinkedIn as I am on social media, to be honest. But we can always connect there and start conversations. Come with those specific questions. But I'm really happy to connect with people and meet new people and hopefully share any wisdom and maybe gain some wisdom from them as well. Thank you so much once again, man. This was really a pleasure. Unfortunately, guys, that's the end of the episode. But as always, me and Paul appreciate you. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here listening to us. As usual, you know, we like to ask you guys if you got some uh, value from the episode, subscribe, share, inbox us our Instagram because we we did create a new Instagram maybe about two weeks, three weeks ago now. Instagram is at OTC University if you guys want to connect with our podcast Instagram. Otherwise, you guys know how to find us. So thank you for listening. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Until next time, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.